Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. I am here with my co-host, Austin, Austin Armstrong and Pej. And we are today going to be, today's going to be a good show. You know, I mean, not Very that positive. It, positive show. Yeah. I know often we talk about addiction and how people are suffering from it, but today our show will consist of um, sobriety uh, and what it means to have joyful sobriety. What it, what it is to have, you know, what was the topic that we said earlier? The joys of sobriety the joys and of sobriety. highlighting recovery stories. Highlighting recovery stories, as in success stories, right? Success stories. Okay, yeah. wonderful. So um, I'm just you know thrilled to be here. Yeah, this should hopefully be a very inspiring episode for you all. Yeah, the reason that I came up with this topic uh, was the fact that you know lately I have been um, seeing a lot of people who are doing very well in recovery, people that were um, at one point in their life at the most um, hopeless, seemingly, you know, hopeless point of their lives to where they had nothing else going on. They were dying. Um, they came into recovery, and just for the simple fact of giving themselves to this thing and surrendering, I'm now seeing them become workers amongst workers, people amongst people, mm. um, rebuilding relationships. Uh, some people are getting their kids back in their lives. Some people are getting their uh, wives and husbands mm. and friends back in their lives, their mothers, their fathers, and this is a beautiful thing. So recovery does work, really, if you really give yourself to it. Absolutely. Okay, Make sure you uh, leave a comment, too, if you have any uh, amazing recovery stories that you'd like us to highlight. Mm -hmm. We would love to hear them. Most uh, definitely. You know what, the, what What I was looking for today is when, as we're talking about you know, the joys of sobriety, if you're out there and you're open enough to want to say anything, please chime in. You know, Tell us uh, if you're happy in your sobriety because... At the end of the day, it's not just about getting sober and getting off of the drugs and the alcohol, but it's about expanding and building on your emotional sobriety and being happy and comfortable in your own skin. So, Absolutely. you know, if you're out there, um, yes, what the spirit is disrupting, so you know it is there. LOL. Got <laughs> mm -hmm. to tap into that spirit, you know. Anyway, so let's let's move on. Yeah. So. What is, all right, let's, let's start with, do you have any, can you think of any amazing recovery stories offhand? Mm-hmm, yeah. Give me, give us a couple. Okay, give us well, a couple really inspiring stories. I have this friend, I won't also, say. Also, hello, James Coco. Hi, James Coco. Actually, what a, this is like synchronicity. I have this friend, I don't really want to say his name, but I do want to say his name. So there's a friend of mine who, um, he used to be a client of mine. I was a case manager in a treatment center, and we used to do this uh, group called, <clears throat> It was called Self-Discovery. And the reason that I even came up with this group was because my old counselor used to sit in groups all the time when I was in treatment and talk about discovering yourself, the, discovering the things about yourself that you really didn't even know that you had, the, the hidden talents, mm. the, the uh, um, d different ways that you can actually behave, how you can process feelings and attitudes and how you can adjust yourself and be a person that you know you actually want to be rather than the person that you yeah. thought you were. So this guy, he was sitting in our groups, and I won't say his name unless he wants me to, and he just actually tuned in a second ago. But he was like a depressive, he was in a dis depressive slump, right? And I watched this guy when he would come and sit in our groups. Like He was about my age. At the time, I was in my early 40s, which now I'm going to be 47 in a couple of weeks. But he'd sit in my groups. and You don't look a day over 25. Though. Thanks. He'd sit in my groups, and, and I would just watch this guy and think, like, you know, I could totally, I was taking on his emotions. And, and I felt for him. And I, but mm. I wanted him to engage and be, like, a part of the whole process. So he would watch all these other young guys, like, be, you know, interact and do really well for themselves and kind of, like get mm -hmm. out of themselves and and then um, 
Uh, I remember one day when we actually started the self-discovery group, I said, so at the very beginning of the group, so who wants to talk about themselves and what have you discovered about yourself in early recovery and something that happened that you suddenly just, you know, had that aha moment, the moment of clarity, you know, uh, the, the epiphany for better sake mm. of words. And um, he said, I had one. And basically I said, okay, what was it? And he said that he was up um, sleeping in his bedroom and mm. it was next to the school where there was these kids playing in his, he was in treatment. So he was like in his work first couple of weeks. And he looked out the window, and he, as he was depressed and he saw these kids playing out there, he he got to, like, see himself in those kids again to where he remembered that he was a kid at one point, and he was, like, a happy-go-lucky kid and had so much fun, and, and the, the kids were gleeful and playful and just having a blast out there and screaming and doing what kids do, you know? Yeah. And in that moment, he realized, like, what have I done to myself? Like, what has become of my life? And, and he came and kind of shared that with us in that group, and I told him, that's it. That's a self-discovery. This is these are the things that we discover about ourselves. And from there on, that guy, mm-hmm. that guy went on to, you know, obviously he stayed sober. He got really involved in the 12-step community. He he made friends with really strong people in recovery. Um, he he was he became a very good friend. Over okay. a period of time, he started working in that treatment center with me. Oh wow! And then he was the first person to implement a um, adventure program there. So that the and I, I actually went on the very first one as a case manager. So we all went up to Big Bear, and there was a bunch of guys with us on that trip that were all clients. And he was now an employee of the place. So we got to work alongside each other. And from there on, and he, it was called a Peaks and Valleys program, right? And from there on, he would take people on a ton of adventures to Joshua Tree, to the mountains. and oh, it, it sounds and, incredible. And when we'd go to the mountains and like be amongst, you know, all these guys that are yeah. like 30, 60, 90 days sober, and this guy's got like a year and a half or something like that at the time. Um, we, great mentor. It, it was awesome, right? Yeah. I can say your name. So his name is James Coco, right? And we're going to actually have him on the show soon. Oh, so, I can't wait to have you see, on, I didn't James. Wanna, I didn't want to ruin your anonymity. <laughs> but anyway, uh, so James, uh, Jamie, a.k.a. Jamie Coco, you know, the guy with the with the drug-sniffing dog. But anyway, he's one of my dear friends. So at that point, he went on to work there. He they took it to, he took that whole program to another level. I'm mm. talking like they would go on trips on a regular basis, and, and a lot of people got to get out of self and go into nature. And, you know, but the, the beautiful thing about it is, is that Jamie's got, you know, I, I believe at this point, like five years of sobriety. Wow, and, congratulations. Uh, That's and amazing. he's doing a lot with his life, you know what I mean? And, it, and that within itself, here we had a man who was total, a total depressive human being mm. that has had ran his life into the ground, had ruined a lot of relationships with you know family and friends and things like that, but most importantly had ruined a relationship with himself, and he came and rejuvenated and rebuilt himself and got into the recovery process, and he's a total miracle, right? Mm-hmm. And the only reason that that happened is because, for one, he didn't put any more drugs or alcohol in his body, and for two, he didn't shortchange himself and, and rob himself of the opportunity to actually get real a recovery. You know, and to this day, we're really dear friends. We're really good friends. And he was one of a plethora of people that were in that treatment center at that time mm-hmm. when I was working there. This is what I think. Like, I've worked in a lot of treatment centers. So in that particular place, we had, like, the dream team. Okay. I'm talking, like, these. they were a bunch of great case managers that most of them were in recovery, too. And we were, like, the dream team. Like, we were, we were there. It was hands-on like we were working closely with these guys and we've watched a lot a lot of guys in that era who are still sober that have four and five years of sobriety and the majority of them I mean Jamie and I were about the same age but majority of those guys were you know in their early 20s and now they're in their late 20s and you see some of them are getting married or having kids and 
I mean, these are the joys of sobriety, right? Yeah, this is absolutely. like this is something to think about here. This is something to talk about here, right? Yeah. Like, what, it's not just about like. Uh, I mean, I understand a lot of people are dying from the disease of addiction. Yeah, we know that. But what about when people actually come and get sober? Do they get well and do they get good jobs, good lives? Are they yeah. happy with it? It's almost not highlighted enough. It's not highlighted enough. Yeah. yeah so. <laughs> so we're going to keep diving deeper in here. Leave us your, your thoughts, your comments. Keep saying hello. I saw one earlier that Pej does look really young because he's sober. Absolutely. <laughs> we'll take a quick pause here. Let us know where you're, where you're watching from. Odie, forget Facebook. Just roll. Uh, just open an audition file because the audio is the most important part. Yeah, it's rolling. It's rolling? Okay, we're good. Okay. Actually, I want to say something. When, oh. when we went on one of those mountain trips, yeah, I remember, and I told this to Jamie recently, that we were climbing up this one rock, right? It was like a gnarly rock. And I don't really like like uh, being in, in a position where I'm mm -hmm. out of control, but I knew as I'm climbing, I'm, the, all I kept thinking is, is how am I going to get down from this rock? Mind you, mm. Jamie had all of us grab a rock earlier and put write something on it, and you know. So I basically put um, what something I don't remember what it was. Something where surrender or something, something like mm. that. And as we're climbing, I have to carry this rock all the way up this mountain. It was like called Castle Rock or something like that, right? Mm. But once we got to the very top, I was like thinking, how am I going to get down from this mountain? And all my fears came back up. And once we got to the top of the mountain, we all threw our rock like from the top wow. of the mountain to basically like get rid of whatever we carry around with us. You know, the, mm -hmm. the, the heavy um, burdens that we have in life that we carry with us. So once we got to the top, I threw it off of there. And then I remember like everybody was getting down off of the mountain and I'm thinking like, I'm the last guy. I felt like a little kid again, all over again, that mm -hmm. was put into a position where I had to like kind of keep up with my peers, but it was we were doing it in sobriety and it was really a good feeling. Like It's amazing. I, and obviously, I got down from the rock. It took a little yeah. while, but you know. <laughs> you're here. Yes. To, to see Hi, Linda. Day. How are you? Hello, Linda. Odie, can you just share Pej's post? Yeah. Cool. Castle Rock. See, I, I Castle say? Rock in Big Bear. Big Bear. You remember that? One. Oh, very cool. Yes. Yeah. So, okay. So, I have another question. So, what is it about becoming sober that it allows you to refine your passion, restart life? And beyond that, it, it seems like a lot of people go into working in the recovery space as well. So you can more or less have a job lined up too. Well, okay, when you were growing up, did you, did you ever hear this from a teacher or your parents? You have a lot of potential. Sure. Okay. Yeah. You have a lot of potential, right? So obviously when you have parents and, and, and you know parental figures or societal figures that are telling you that like you have a lot of potential when you go down the avenue of becoming a full-blown drug addict or alcoholic mm. and you run your life into the ground those voices are still in the back of your head mm. you still remember you have that memory of like our family my family used to believe in me and now mm -hmm. i've completely messed that all up and and mm. i don't believe in myself so when people sometimes come into recovery, you know, this is what my old counselor used to say. Um, Siamak, bless his soul. He used to say, uh, I'm seeing something different about you. You're like becoming part of this thing. And I would be like, really, am I? And he'd say, yeah, you're surrendered. I'm like, 
I thought surrendering was a bad thing because I was so used to surrendering to the police. And he said, no, when you surrender and you put down the shovel that you've been digging your grave with, you're actually starting to become a part of this thing. And I go, so when you say tick, he'd say, you're tickled to recovery. I'd be like, tickled to recovery? What does he mean? He goes, you're starting to like this Tickled thing. to recovery. You're starting to like Love this that. thing. And when I would sit in groups, I'd give people <laughs> feedback, and I'd start to see people change or be receptive to it, or I would start to see myself and other people's uh, problems and anguish and buildup. And, and then before you knew it, like somebody would come to me after a group and say, thanks for helping me out. I really needed mm. that. It, it starts to get make you have a sense of, you know, you, you become worthy. Like you, mm. self-worth, your self-worth starts to build up, and you realize, like, you can be effective. So a lot of people, when they get sober at first, they start to realize that they can be of service to others. And when they can know that they can Absolutely. be of service to others, what better place to do that than to work in treatment? That's why you see a lot of people that work in treatment centers, you know, first they start off on the, on the front lines, like doing the hard work, like the tech type jobs. And then they can sometimes just move their way up and do the more, uh, you know, some people go to school, become LMFTs, MFTs, psychologists, all that. Mm. Some people just become case managers and they, they, they're really comfortable and having a caseload and working with people, but we need you. Like, we need more people that are, you know, former using We're drug addicts relatable. and alcohols. Yeah. I mean, truly, like, I, I have a lot of respect for people that aren't in recovery, that do work in recovery. We need them, too. But a lot of times, a lot of the, the addicts and alcoholics will respond better or be able sure. to, it's more relatable to talk to somebody who's been on the same path with them. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Linda says, doing good, glad to be here. Linda, we are glad to have you here. <laughs> so we're gonna keep highlighting recovery stories. Let us know your recovery story. If you have one um, that you wanna share, we can keep it anonymous. Or if you have uh, a friend or someone, a loved one that you know, mm -hmm. uh, let us know in the comments. That would be awesome. We'd love to hear it and, and highlight I, those stories. Yeah, and I wanted to interject real quick. I just want you all to know, that if you ever have somebody who's struggling with addiction or you yourself are struggling with addiction, we also have a Facebook page called Ask an Addiction Specialist. Yes. It's actually down there in, in the little bar. It's you, in the description of this video. That's right. You can link on it. You can go up in that little bar at the top of the Facebook page and write Ask an Addiction Specialist. And then you can go in there and you can ask a question. You can answer a question. We have a lot of uh, professionals that are readily available that will are willing to assist you in any way possible. If there's something Absolutely. that you can't deal with that's addiction related or you know alcoholism related, go ahead and ask those questions there too. Um, Kenny Gannon says, hire me, Pej. Kenny, mm -hmm. you're already working for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And also, just so you know, on a weekly basis, we like to have a recovery story. So it's usually of any friends of ours that have um, some time, you know, like two, three, four years of sobriety or more. And we like to have shows about them where mm. it's a five, three to five minute testimonial where they come and talk about themselves and talk about their journey. So if you're ever interested in that, let us know. Yeah, let that'd me be amazing. Know. We'll put you on the show. Yeah. You want to address Linda's comment here? Yes. I've recently been put on hydrocodone and muscle relaxers for severe back spasms. I take them as directed. I tried not to be put on them as long as possible. Well, Linda, I mean, I, I, I'll tell you this right now. I'm not a doctor. I know that sometimes for pain, um, you know, medication will be prescribed, but I would just take it as prescribed, you know, and no more than because uh, we all know when, what happens. People develop a dependency. But I like the fact that you didn't, that you tried for as long as you could not to be on it and look for other alternatives. And I guess it's come down to if you can't, uh, 
if you can't overcome the pain, then you must take the doctor's directions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wise words. But thank you for sharing that with us. Yeah, Linda. thank you. So let's keep rolling with the, the positivity, the, the support, the stories. Yeah. Do you have another good story you want to highlight? Well, okay, so there's this one uh, meeting that I go to. Okay. Um, it, it's a friend of mine. He started it in the late 70s, right? And back then, the, so there was like these musicians that would go on tour, and um, they would get sober, and they came down to Orange County for treatment. So they'd go into like some 12-step meetings and kind of get talked down to. People would tell them, you're not that anymore. And they'd tell them, but I'm about to go on tour like in Europe. Like I, hmm. I am that still. Like I'm still that rock star. So some people were trying to deflate their egos. Meanwhile, these guys are just trying to be musicians. Mm -hmm. So they started this musicians meeting. And sometimes we have this meeting at my house too. And oh, it's nice. really cool because you see a lot, like basically the meeting's geared around people that are in recovery that were ex-musicians, poets, artists of any type. We have a lot of ex-actors or even current actors that... Um, had taken a hiatus due to their addiction or their alcoholism. But anyway, so they come into this meeting, and when we're all amongst each other, we basically share our stories about what's happened in our lives in the past, what we're doing now. You're welcome, Linda. And, um, you know, just kind of be there for each other, you know, to where we can, like, just talk about, like, what we've been through and how, how good sobriety is treating us. So, you know, I mean, I got a couple of friends that were on major sitcoms, a couple of them that were in movies. So, um, like, right now, they're... They're, you know, some of them are just working in recovery, which is a beautiful thing, too. I mean, mm -hmm. I, that for me within itself uh, shows how somebody can humble themselves that was on this high platform in Hollywood to where they were like on major TV shows or major mm. movies, right? Yeah. Major motion pictures. Like they were, you know, uh, firsthand actors. And now they're actually like working on the front lines and, and treatment and trying to help people. That's amazing. That's remarkable. Absolutely. That's remarkable. Like for me, that within excel within excess. With in itself is a success story. The coffee was good today. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, yeah, we see it all the time. That's great. You want more? I got. I want more. I got keep, a them, keep them rolling. Let's I keep got the positivity handful. going. There's this one. Okay. Guy. I'm ready. Okay. Um, this is usually when I go and tell my story somewhere. I always uh, implement this into it. So. Um, wait, wait, wait. Before that. Sure. I hear you have an important date coming up. What date? What date is that? Your sobriety date. My sobriety date. Yeah, isn't it? This Saturday. Yeah? Um, How many years? 11 years sober. That's incredible. <laughs> Thank you very 11 much. 11 years sober. <laughs> this Saturday. Not yet. No fronts. Well, it's it's okay. <laughs> next next week we'll have a celebratory you know, podcast about it. It's interesting that you say this because at this time, 11 years ago, I wasn't sober. I wasn't in treatment. I had made the phone call probably on this day 11 years ago. Mm, I did the oh, thing wow. that I feared the very most in my life, and that was to pick up the phone and call someone and ask them for help. Yeah. Right? And when I called the guy and sometimes. asked him for help, because the only reason I called him is because my mom didn't want me in her life anymore, mm. and she said, call this number. And there was this guy named Max, who I just went and saw him the other day. Mm. He's a therapist here in, oh, wow. uh, in, um, in Fashion Island. But when I called him, he said to me, um, Pej, are you ready to get sober? And I said, Absolutely, and he, which I wasn't really, like, I still had a plan. But mm -hmm. he said, uh, okay, when are you ready? And I said, well, today's Tuesday. How about Friday? <laughs> so basically I wanted a little more time sure. to, to – I had some affairs to attend to, but yeah. I ended up going to treatment. Um, yeah. So with that said, yes, Saturday is going to be that special day. Thanks, Greg. That's amazing. Um, <laughs> um, oh, so, yes, the story. The, the you one were, of the stories. Yes. Okay. 
So there's this one kid, right? Um, I'll just call him the blue-eyed bandit. He knows who he is, right? Blue-eyed bandit. The blue-eyed okay. bandit, right? Got it. And so he was actually in the same treatment center that I got sober in. Hmm. And I was, at this point, at about I was about seven or eight years sober, and I had moved up to L.A. to open up some high-end, bougie, sober livings, right? Okay. And um, I remember that he, his parents were texting me one night and saying that uh, he got kicked out of that treatment center that, mm. that I was at, you know, before because he had snuck heroin in. Oh, wow. And um, I had met him before at a camping trip, and when we were out on this camping trip, like, we kind of vibed, you know, even though he wasn't well, like, he was still in that frame of mind where he didn't want to stay sober, he still wanted to play games, he wasn't taking his sobriety. Seriously, something about him and I clicked. Like, he, he liked me. I don't mm -hmm. know. And I liked him, too. You know, he had a sparkle in his blue eyes, the blue-eyed bandit. But I remember I... Um, I got a text from his parents one night. They said he got kicked out of the, the treatment center because he had snuck heroin in. And um, he went back to his parents' house down in San Clemente, and um, he had stolen $500 from his dad. He was under the influence of everything under the sun. I mean, he had done heroin. He had done barbiturates. He had done narcotics. He had been drinking. Mm. And, and his parents were not going to let him stay home. And I said, well, then bring him up to our house. So they And we were at this meeting up in Hollywood. So by the time that we got home... And uh, got to the house, his literal his parents literally put him on the front step of our porch and just laid him out cold. Oh my goodness! Yeah, and he was laid out cold, like drunk, wow. stoned, high, whatever. So we picked him up, we brought him in. He didn't want to be there. He was sure. like a fish out of water. He was really upset that he was once again in a sober environment yeah. and in a confined sober environment to a certain extent because he could leave if he wanted to. But for the next few weeks, this kid was just defiant. He was combative. He was not conforming to the house rules yeah. so one night um you know after i basically took him down to skid row okay and fifth and san pedro which mm. is much different than the westwood neighborhood that we were in sure and when we when i took him down there i um i just told him he, he said so where are you taking me and i said well you wanted to get high still right and he goes yeah are you going to take me to go get high i go no 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 i'm going to take you to drop you off and you can go get high yourself and I took him down to this neighborhood. Now, mind you, this kid is wearing board shorts and flip-flops. He's from San Clemente. Oof. He does not belong. Have you ever He's been? about to gain some perspective. Have you ever been to Skid Row at midnight on a Saturday night? Can't say that I have. It looks like the set of the Night of the Living Dead. Uh, I'm talking like it looks oh my like goodness. a third world country, tent city. People are zombified. Did that, did that scare like, him? Scare him. I told him, get out of the car. He got out of the car. And I turned the car around and went and parked the car on the other side of the street and rolled the window down, and I just observed. All these wow. guys were coming at him left and right, and this guy's yeah, handing yeah. out a cigarette, screaming at the top of his lungs, Bash, Bash, please, Bash, please come and get me. Wow. And in that moment, I got scared for him, so I turned the car back around, rolled up to him, rolled the window down, told him get in the car. He got in the car. We went for a nice little spiritual drive, for better sake of words. And yeah, that'll shock you into, this into kid, something. So he's telling sure. me, I'll come clean on all accounts. I'll tell you everything. I'll do whatever you say. Wow. We brought him back to the house. It took him a few days to kind of gather his thoughts, but he started to come clean. He told me the truth about everything. That kid ended up running that sober living after I wow. left. Wow. That kid came down to Orange County and was working in a treatment center and then went to law school, okay, oh, to, to sign up at Fullerton. That uh -huh. kid's got three and a half years sober right now, and he's studying to become an attorney. Good for him. And he's actually looking for attorney-type 
apprentice jobs right now. Yeah. And that's not bad for a kid that was laid out cold not on the front at all. step, right? So that's incredible. I mean, it's 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 a miracle within itself. And you know, once again, that's one of a plethora of people that yeah. I've gotten. For the most enlightening thing for me, the most heartwarming thing, the most rewarding thing for me is is when I see the people succeed in recovery. Yeah. When people get their lives back. When people actually become the people that they were meant to be rather than that facade that they were caught up in. Yeah. This is a beautiful thing. These are the joys of sobriety. Yeah. Right? I mean, it's the, always it's, possible. It's, it's, it's never vi- give up hope. I, this is what I feel. I feel like before we even get to this earth, we all have a soul. Mm. And then when we come here, we get so caught up where our mind is always trying to make our body feel good in some way, and mm-hmm. the soul gets lost in, the, in, in that process. Mm. When I took that kid to Skid Row, I said, look around the streets here. Do you see how these people are living? They've lost their souls. Hmm. Uh, basically, they've had the opportunity yeah. and a chance in life to get their lives back, but you only get so many chances and choices, and don't use up your chances and choices. Yeah. It was like that come to Jesus moment where we got to have that conversation. Where I don't know what happened. I, you know, it was do or die with that kid. That kid could have said, "Just leave me," right? But mm-hmm. in that moment, that kid decided, "Let's go. Let's go back." He came back. He's all about sobriety now. I mean, I'm talking like that kid used to be so wishy-washy when he talked about his recovery. That right now, when he talks, he's like, "I'm in. I'm in." Like there's there's no it's looking back. You know, and he's doing well for himself. And he has a fiance. Ooh, and mind, mind you, the kid is so humble that about six months ago, he happened to be in his apartment and the neighbor didn't extinguish a cigarette and it started a fire and the entire building oh. burnt to a crisp. He lost everything in that Whoa. fire. Everything. And his girlfriend was out working. He lost everything in that fire. Only him and his cat got out alive. I mean, got okay. out, right? And Any big damages? Like, what, pe- to lo- people? No, injuries? no, no injuries to people. But that kid lost everything, all yeah. everything he owned was burned in that fire. Mm. And the next day, he and I were speaking somewhere, and he was my 10-minute speaker. And when he spoke, he didn't even bring it up. I, I was like, once I got up there, I was like, just so you all know, this guy's house burned to a ground, and he's too humble to actually have to talk about wow. it, which is a beautiful thing. The, the kid is like a, an amazing soul. What an incredible story. Love him so much. Everyone that you mentioned today is just <laughs> incredible. That's what, that's what I get Never give see. up hope, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Yes, so, um, just so you know, Sober Grind comes in many different platforms. I mean, it's it's a podcast, yes. obviously. Yeah, it's a podcast, but we're also on YouTube. We're on every major platform that you listen to podcasts Which on. What platforms are we on? iTunes, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, you name it. Uh, most of the links are in the description of this video. Mm-hmm. But if you uh, go to any of those podcasts, anywhere where there's a pl- platform that has a podcast... Type in Sober Grind, and you should be able to find us. And please subscribe to it. Yes. And give us reviews, and tell us what we're doing wrong. Tell us what we're doing right. Tell us what you'd like us to talk about. We love your reviews. Yeah. Tell a friend. Tell, uh, you know, if you know somebody that, that needs some kind of recovery or needs some knowledge about recovery, just tell them, go to the Sober Grind. Sign up to the Sober Grind and be part of this thing. Yeah, even just taking that couple seconds out of your day to put a five-star rating on iTunes will really help our rankings and impact a lot more people. So we can't do this without you. You are the reason why we do this, to help inspire others. And uh, we're just going to keep continuing to do it. That's right. All right. So... This podcast is made possible by Beginnings Treatment Centers, an absolutely amazing Orange County recovery center that handles all levels of care from detox to residential to outpatient, you name it. 
Full spectrum. Full spectrum of care. Give them a call today at 800-387-6907 and they will set you on a very positive path. Or you can reach out to Tesh. Yes, always reach out to me. 949-751-7761. Sober grind out. See you next time.